Welcome to season three of the Change the World podcast. I'm your host, Sivya Cohn. As CEO of 14 Minds, a marketing agency that works exclusively with Jewish nonprofits, I am a firsthand witness to the incredible physical, spiritual, and emotional services these organizations provide to our community. However, I also see the many challenges they face along the way. This season, I'll be speaking to incredible nonprofit leaders who haven't let any obstacles get in the way of their mission to change the world. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. I'm here with Yako Galen, who I stumbled across on LinkedIn. And I was super intrigued by what he has to say. So Yako, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited to talk about what first made me reach out to you when I looked at your profile and I saw Gen Z. And I was like, wow, that is not anything I have really seen on LinkedIn ever. Um, so for those who don't know what Gen Z is, so as of now, they're being defined as someone born in the late 90s until the early 2010s. That's probably subject to change because I think the definition of millennials has changed like every two years. It's really the younger demographic, the older of the Gen Zs are maybe some of them starting to hit the workforce. And it's really not an audience that most people are, most nonprofits, I should say, are really thinking too much about. So when I saw that Yakov is sort of tackling this audience in a really cool way, definitely wanted to speak to you about it and hear more about what you have in mind and get some ideas for some of my clients. So tell me about your background. How did you get started? A little bit of, of like my personal life. So I grew up in Philadelphia, just for the for the Jewish audience. My father is uh, Balchuva. My mother grew up Orthodox. She grew up in uh, Sharon, Massachusetts. So I had a interesting dynamic at home. And they're both more, I guess, the community would you call, if we're into labels, it was more of like a black hat community. Um, and that hushkava. So I had a really interesting perspective on things and bounced around all different types of schools in high school. That was just, uh, I like to, I did, I was a good kid, just, uh, you know, couldn't find my spot. So I, I had a really interesting, um, I have an interesting perspective on anything, everything, because I went to a non-Orthodox school, I went to more yeshivish schools. And so that was how I grew up. And so with that lens on, I went to Israel, went to a couple different yeshivas. And then in Israel, I actually started working for someone I met at plane actually. And he had a, a fintech company, financial technology. And so that spiraled into um, working for fellow out in Los Angeles, who also had a fintech company and then ended up working for a company called Bitbean in Lakewood um, sure. as a product developer. So my background, like at least professionally, is is software development, the product development. Within the product development phase, there's marketing. And throughout my career, I guess, as a product developer, I've done a, my fair share of marketing campaigns and I really liked marketing. Total, I know all this is that I'm just a huge consumer of YouTube. Like I, I say YouTube was my Rebbe. I learned everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned, I really learned everything on there from, I mean, literally everything. So I grew up on it and I see the power of it and I watched all the different social media platforms grow. And so about a year ago, I started my own company and I was trying to figure out what exactly I was going to do. Was I going to do product development, consulting? Was I going to do marketing? And so, yeah, that's where I'm right now. I, I, I ended up, uh, I could, we'll talk a little bit about like kind of some of the things I did, but that's like the general gist of my background, how I got here. So the new company that you started is Truth Seekers. Yeah, correct. So, got Truth it. Seekers, so what's the mission? So it's funny. I was setting up my, my S Corp and got my bank account and the guy at the bank's like, Truth Seekers, is this like some far right, like, you know, so uh, so I, was, I explained to him, I mean, it's, it happens to be an interesting name. Maybe I'll change it. We'll see what happens. But no, I like it and makes you makes you ask. I think that's always a good sign. Right. Me. So like, what is that about? Right. So that's what I've gotten from the marketing focus. Like, keep it. 
So truth seekers, so Gen Z, Gen Z is a generation. I mean, we don't have to get nerdy with it, but like. Yeah, get nerdy with it. Get nerdy with it. So, so we have, you have like boomers and Gen Xers. Boomers are like the generation after World War II. So they're, I mean, obviously it's a generalization, but they're known to be extremely hardworking, maybe not the most emotionally Available. Available, engaged, whatever the word is, you know, more closed off. And then Gen X grew up with those parents. And so, I mean, you know, I, I know that you you mentioned you talk about the traumas and the and the mental health that we have issues that we have in our community. And so the Jewish community specifically has their own set of, I guess, issues that stemmed from the boomer generation just because of, I guess, the Ashkenazi Jewish community from from the Holocaust and then the Sephardic community just from persecution in the Middle East. So that's them. And then we got millennials who grow up in the Gen Xers houses. And so they dealt with that generation. I'm, I'm really focusing on the negatives, but I, there, there are pros and cons, I mean, to every every single generation. And then you have Gen Z who kind of grew up with all of this, like, I guess, just all of this, like, not emotionally available parents. And we just kind of said, like, I had enough of this. Like, I have, I have a problem. I'm going to talk about it. I want to fix it. I want to do social something media, about it. Raised on social media, raised with content. Yeah. Like and you said, YouTube was your rabbi and that's a, that's a new thing. Yeah, that's my slogan. So Gen Z, you know, and, you know, I, I, I didn't, I don't, um, what's the word? I don't want to pigeonhole any demographic into like a very specific box. It, it's a generalization. But Gen Z in general is a gen- generation that's looking for authenticity. And that's why I call the truth seekers. Because oh, yeah. when you're a marketer or an organization or, you know, a for-profit business trying to attract that demographic, you really have to come off as authentic and transparent. And the average Gen Z kid, now some are adults, is consuming, I forget the number, I read a statistic, like 10,000 pieces of content a day, some, some ridiculous number. So we've gotten really good at like sifting out what we like and what we don't like and what's real and what's not real. And so organizations need to understand that that's the type of consumer you're dealing with. So it's very important to, to, to really understand that, that demographic. So tell me if you agree with this analysis that because Gen Z was raised with the most content and the most marketing aimed at them, they have just become so skeptical that they no longer believe in anything that doesn't come off as 100% authentic. Does that that make sense to you? So, yeah, I I think that every, obviously a generalization again, some people don't use their brains and they'll just consume and believe. I think nowadays there's so much, you know, there's so much misinformation that you really do have to, you can't just watch a TikTok and you really have to do your research. I think that there is a big portion of, of Gen Z that is gullible and, and will believe what they watch. And, you know, they, they aren't necessarily filtering things out. But you do have a large contingency that is looking for, you know, real content. So the analysis is is pretty accurate. What I would say is that Gen Z is just good at sifting out what's, what's good content and what's not good content. The creators could be using it for the good or for the bad, right? And And it could be, it could be completely falsehood, but they're packaging it in a way that seems authentic. And so that can obviously influence Gen Z in a certain way. And you, I could point to a couple of examples. Anybody who's online and knows what's trending, you pretty quickly figure out what's real and what's not. So tell me, what's the day-to-day? Like, what are the kind of things you work on now? So the past five, six months, I've been working very closely with Thank You Hashem, the Thank You Hashem brand. So for anyone that doesn't know who Thank You Hashem is, they do music and they have merch and it's hard to like pin down exactly what their brand is, but I like to tell people it's creating a, a media presence and making Judaism approachable, whether that's 
for family-friendly music, whether it's content, some of the content that we're working on now. So we've, we've done a couple series on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube shorts. We've developed a couple shows that have garnered like millions of views, just basically promoting Judaism in a really unique way. Actually, it's not unique. It's just unique to the Jewish world. And maybe we'll talk about that, like what the Jewish world has to learn from everywhere else. But yeah, no, that, go, yeah. go for it. That sounds really interesting. Okay, so the main project that we've been working on is something called Yid on the Street. Essentially, I go out with my team and I go to random communities, not random, they're specific communities, Jewish communities, and we'll find people on the street and we'll do trivia with them, Parsha trivia. So there's two things that we're doing in the content. We obviously want to get to meet new Jews every single episode and hear, you know, what community they're from and about them a little bit, but just also to you know, talk Torah in a, in a cool way. And I ask them a couple questions and they can win money. And yeah, so people really love it. And the series has done two plus million views now. We started around Rosh Hashanah time, I think it was we started. So yeah, that, that was a really interesting project for me because I've, you know, I consume tons of TikTok and Instagram and it was a popular style, like man on the street interviews, quick, you know, 60 second, 90 second, interviews about whatever it is. And so I thought that it was a really cool um, format. And I said, okay, let's just bring this to the Jewish world. And you have to get creative with it and you have to have charisma and, you know, you have to know how to edit it properly. And there's a lot of science behind it, you know? So that to us, to me, was really interesting to be able to like take the idea and, and put it out in the world and then get such a reaction. Also, you know, I, I'm very appreciative to the Thank You Hashem guys for having the vision and being open-minded to this new style of marketing for, you know, for our community. And it's just proving to be really, you know, to be, to work. And I'm, I'm surprised, I guess, that it did well, but maybe that was just because I doubted it, but I'm just, I'm happy. I'm happy it worked. Like I, you know, I think it, it really opens up some doors in the, the Jewish world for, for some really interesting stuff. I think it's just the beginning. It's interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking about how we said that Gen Z responds to authenticity, but I think what Gen Z is also really good at is being authentic themselves in front of the camera. My generation, the millennial generation, you put us in front of a camera, it was scripted, it was formal, it was professional. For Um, sure. And you have like this whole new style of where the narrator is in the story and is being themselves and is being crazy and silly. And then, you know, their generation that's watching it is really responding to it. So I think that's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. And what's really cool is um, I think on LinkedIn, they call them like the lurkers or whatever. But I look at our data all the time. Like Gen Z is not the only demographic watching now, which I found really interesting. Like we've got tons of millennials watching. It's up like up to 30 or 40, 30 percent, 35 percent of our viewership. People, you know, 50 plus are watching. So I think that it's important for brands to realize that, you know, Gen Z may be the first Democrat, you know, so I think Simon Sinek talks about this, that like there's in every market, I mean, this, this applies to every industry, you know, products have early adopters, any market, like the, the people who are just open to try new things. And so in, in this case, that's Gen Z, like, hey, you know, we're, we're used to social media, we like it, we're, you know, we live on there, we socialize on there, we consume content, we learn on there. And then there's a second phase, which is like, I don't know the exact term that he uses, but it's like the middle market of people saying, oh, okay, like this thing works. It's kind of cool. I'm going to try it. And then there's like the last group of people, which is like, I'm not going to touch this until it's like there's years of data on this and I know that it's going to work perfectly. And so 
with every product that's like that, but specifically I, I've seen it with content as well. And if you look at TikTok's demographics, you know, who's who's active on the platform, you have every generation, you know, every generation on there. And I just think the Jewish world's always a couple years behind. Um, and not because I, I don't think it's because we don't know what's out there. I think it's just we're just especially with the internet and our community. I mean, the, uh, let's talk about the Orthodox community. We're just, we were more hesitant to get online. And all of our kids, my age was like, well, I don't really care for the better or for the worse. And so you have an entire generation who grew up on it. And let's say, for example, Cure organizations are realizing like, hey, we, we need to be on these platforms if we want to be effective. And, you know, I think slowly but surely we'll figure out how to make it work in our community. But I think the, the cool thing is that once you get onto social media, the reach is beyond the Jewish community. So when you're doing Kiruv or you're, you're putting out a video about God, like, you know, our last video we did about tzedakah, it's like at 200,000 views on Instagram. And it's a lot of people who are Muslim who are like, oh my gosh, we have a similar thing called tzedakah and we give money also. And so it's like Kiruv, Kiruv Krovim, Kiruv, and then it's also Orlagoim. So it's it's like this whole pack, for those that don't know, Kiruv Krovim is like doing outreach within the community of people who are already religious. Then there's Kiruv trying to bring people who are Jewish closer. And then there's, you know, showing the whole world what we're all about. So that's the that's the cool thing about social media is like the whole world is right here. Like you could really talk to everyone. So that's what really excites me. How are you promoting? Is it all organic? Have you put paid? Not a single do- not a, not a single dollar was spent on pushing any of the content except actually developing it. Right. So paying so, yeah. our team, a team and the, the creative team. So from a marketing perspective, I think the worst thing that any business or nonprofit can do is market to the quote unquote general public, which is not a real thing. So, you know, understanding their who they're speaking to is so important. And I think nonprofits have caught on somewhat to the millennial generation, but Gen Z still may be like, you know, an afterthought. So what do you think nonprofits need to understand about Gen Z and, and what should they do about it even more importantly? Yeah, sure. I'm curious, like from from your end, because you're doing big campaigns for nonprofits, I'm, I'm assuming you're in business, I'm assuming they're effective. Um, so I, I don't want to speak on so, like the, the effectiveness, <laughs> the effectiveness of, of that type of marketing. I'm really curious how that's going to like change over the, how you think it's going to change over the next couple of years. I would say that Gen Z, so, so Gen Z and the Jew, like this is, this is probably, you probably have a better, you know, I'm not, I haven't been in the nonprofit world for this long. Like does Gen Z read the Mishpacha magazine and the, you know, the Bina magazine and all these magazines where you're doing ad placement on, you know, like on Shabbos, are they reading it? Or is it like, do you have, do we have data on that? I'm so curious. There is very minimal data in the Orthodox Jewish world at all. That's the truth. The Pure Report comes out every, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years and they have some information and then each individual like Mishpacha has its own data, the OU has some data, but it is really, really hard. We, you know, when it comes to any kind of digital marketing, like placement on certain websites or social media, we can track it. But other than that, like things like with print, we really don't know. We really, really right. don't. There's a lot. There was um, a marketing company called Min that did a few years ago. They did some research. So that was interesting, but I, I don't think it's been recently updated. We don't really know a lot of. So what I tell my clients is at the end of the day, marketing is trial and error. So the only thing you can do is set yourself some kind of metrics so that you can see whether it's working or not. You can right. speak and you could ask from what's resonating, but no, there's a lot we don't know. Like Facebook has right, this so, like powerful data and they're not telling us anything that's helpful. Right, so I'm so curious because I don't want to say definitively that the, gen, like this is, the, before I even answer the question about Gen Z and nonprofits, I want to say like, 
I, this is my personal feeling. I don't know if this is backed by data that the Jewish world, and when I say Jewish, I mean like, you know, the, the Orthodox U.S. community. I don't really know what works and doesn't work. What I can say, though, is that I know that what works in the world has been working for me in the Jewish world. So maybe it is, maybe it is you need to be doing ad placement on the current websites and, you know, and you know, basically, you know, what, what, what you're offering your clients. So, so I'm not going to speak on that because I have no idea. But what, what, I, what I do think that nonprofits should add on to their, what they're currently doing is uh, having a brand presence on social media. And that means consistently posting creative content on all platforms. Now, that sounds scary, but the uh, <laughs> deal, like the gadolim of, of the content world, like Mr. Beast, they all talk about this, that good content is good content. So let's, I'll break it down. Right now you have YouTube, Shorts, TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, Reddit, and you have a f- Twitter, a few other platforms that are all competing in like this short form content space, even LinkedIn. But I don't know if they'll ever do like a short form video. Maybe they will. But everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. So one video that does well on Instagram could do well on all the other platforms because really the algorithms are built to find good content. That's all they're doing. You know, I've seen this with our own platform. You know, thank you, Hashem, I think started off with like 1,500 followers on TikTok, but we were having videos get 100,000, 200,000 views. So it's not the way it used to work is, oh, you need to build up a following. And then eventually when you build up your following, then you get more views. So now it's a, it's a content focused model where the algorithm just wants you to produce good content. And that means that it's fair play for any size company and it doesn't matter when you jump into the, to the space or not. So... I'll get a little bit nerdy with it. So it's important to understand, like you were saying before, like what is your persona? What is your brand? What are you trying to portray? Who are you trying to be? And then what market are you trying to go after? And what does that language need to be? And that's very important. And I think every, like no matter what type of marketing you're doing, like definitely need to have that. Then there's a whole second thing that you have to do for social media, which is there's all sorts of things that are going on on social media all the time, whether it's trending formats, whether it's, trending sounds, whether it's knowing what are the trending creative ideas. And that really takes, really all it takes is, is consuming that content and, and studying it. But most organizations aren't going to be doing that. And so it's important to partner up with a team or a person that knows that world. And, you know, organizations would be surprised how much, more than reach, it's how much attention that they can get on their on their platforms. And 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 it's important to realize like that is where all the attention is right now on these platforms. You know, that's where more than Gen Z is focused. Like Gen Z for sure, but then all these all these demographics are on there. Six o'clock hits, seven six thirty, you know, I have two kids. Six thirty hits, I put the kids to bed. Before I do anything, I'm on the couch, you know, scrolling through TikTok and Instagram before I eat and like relax for the night. So you have a bunch of other parents doing that and a bunch of other kids doing that. Or the kids are probably doing it, you know, at 11 o'clock before they go to sleep or whatever. But you have that whole, like everybody's there. Everybody's coming together in the same room and they're all hanging out. And that's your time to like say, hey, like this is who we are and build, you know, develop a relationship. Yeah, I, I can keep getting ready with it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to take a step back because I think that the first question we need to answer for nonprofits, and I know how we feel about it, but is whether they shouldn't be going after this generation at all, because it's easy for nonprofits to ignore this generation because mostly, I mean, I don't have, this is totally anecdotal. 
they don't have that much disposable income yet, right? Millennials are just now kind of taking over from a philanthropic perspective of, you know, there's a great wealth transfer that's going on and millennials are now starting to control most of the money that's going to nonprofits. Um, this is a shift that's still going to be few years. So it's going to be a really long time until nonprofits really, really take Gen Z seriously in terms of philanthropy. But I think what my perspective is that you can't ignore them until they have money to give you. Like, that's a big mistake. You have to develop those relationships now because that's an investment in the future for when the time comes that they do have funds and they're going to be looking at the organizations that they have relationship with. Like, it's going to be too late. So yeah. I think that, like, I want to call that out as... Yeah, there, there's definitely a couple of different angles. Like, number one is, you know, building like, we would call it like brand affiliation or building like brand ambassadors, people who who love your brand. So... Although Gen Z doesn't necessarily have all the wealth, I guess we'd have to break it down by industry. So like, I don't know, we, maybe let's do like an experiment, like a, not experiment, let's let's like take some real, like like throw out a, a non-profit industry and, and we'll break it down. Like Kiruv, mental health, whatever it is. You And then I can give you like more specific answers. Yeah, go for Kiruv because you brought Kiruv. that up, but I think that's a really relevant one. Right, so Kiruv. So you have a couple different players in the Kiruv space right now. Chabad, of course, who, I mean, they're just... Since, 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 I don't know, since the Revit started. Oh my God. There, I love Chabad. I, I have no problem saying in a previous In a previous live, I was for sure Chabad. And, you know, the Rebbe was filming his Sikhos, like, you know, they're amazing. But so that you have Chabad, you have Aish, you have a couple other players. And Gen Z right now doesn't have the money, but they're the future. And, you know, it's very easy to look at problems that are right now like, okay, you know, right in front of us, we have these are the donors. We need to please them. We need to make them happy. So they keep giving us money. And yeah, I get that. But, you know, you're going to build all that infrastructure. And then in 10 years from now, when, you know, Gen Z is the next generation, they're the ones raising their children or they're the ones thinking about God. You have a kid, you know, who's 15 in high school. In five years from now, they're going to be having you know, whatever it is, they're going to be having that serious back and forth. They're going to go, they're going to go to the internet to try to figure out who God is and, you know, why should I be Jewish and why should I marry Jewish? And, you know, if you're not developing an infrastructure to help that person, so you're losing our future, which is, you know, and whoever's, whoever's investing in that space is going to be one's answering. I mean, like the Christian world and the Muslim world, like they're crushing it. They have their own Netflixes and they have their own, they have all their own content creators. I mean, like I, I could go on for days about how much infrastructure they've built to provide a space for their communities to learn about those religions. And so, I mean, not only do we not have that, I think we have the opposite going on where Orthodox Jews are being portrayed so badly in the media, right? Oh yeah. And like, that's like my, I could talk about like my goals and like what I want to accomplish eventually. But so, so I think that's number one. That's the, that, that's a very important point. Like you have to think about the future. Every organization has to think about the future. It's hard to, but, and then I would say, I would also say, you know, once you take money out of the picture, like Gen Z is not the only generation that's current. So if you want to build brand affinity, like I'll, for example, you know, we put out, we, we do these weekly partial trivia, you know, so we get messages from people all over the world saying, Hey, you know, I'm not religious or I was religious in high school, but like me and my girlfriend, um, sit down and pause the video every single question and see if we can answer them. And these are adults. So, you know, now we have someone, people saying that they started putting on tefillin and people saying that they started going back to their Shabbos meals. Parents were saying, you know, they have what to talk about at the, at the you know, at the Shabbos table. So you never really know, like social media is not just for Gen Z, it's for everyone. So like 
you're killing two birds with one stone by, you know, developing your brand for the next generation, but also like, it's just a current thing to do to be on social media. It's just, it's important. It's a way to stand out. And I think, I think Asian Chabad, like just study, just look what they're doing. You know, there's just has to be like a hundred more players like them. We, we got to do it ASAP, you know, and that's what Can they do. Can we the platforms for a second? Yeah, sure. I think there may be some people listening to this, you know, they know of Instagram, TikTok, but they don't really know what belongs where, what content thrives where. So can you just like go through that really quickly? Yeah, sure. So there's YouTube and TikTok and then Instagram, Twitter, Reddit. They all have their own specific purposes. TikTok is mainly short form content. You can post up to 10 minute videos. I, I've yet to see them look, be really successful with the long form. Um, they're probably trying to compete with YouTube because YouTube is really doubling down on like Instagram Reels. So Let's do like the alf base and then I can break down it, give it a little, a little bit more. So the alf base is YouTube is just, it's just a place where creators can go and post videos as long as they want. So you have everything from, you can learn on YouTube about videography or, you know, you can learn about how to make cake or you could do, you literally could go to the search bar and type anything and you'll find there's entertainment, there's sports, there's, you know, politics, there's everything on there and it's more long form. Um, Interesting. And then, YouTube has the most staying power. Am I right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's they Google. lasted the longest. Everyone else is coming on, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like. Interesting. This, this is the this is the whole back and forth in the industry. Is like, is YouTube Shorts gonna you know beat out TikTok? So they're basically so the way that it works for the creators on those platforms is they're incentivized by by they get paid right. So first, I think it's a thousand dollars for every million views. Plus, you can put ads, and you can you yourself as a creator can establish relationships with brands and promote their stuff and make money that way as well. So YouTube is doubling down and splitting the re- ad revenue for short form. So they're like incentivizing, you know, they're they're incentivizing creators with money. TikTok offers that, but not, it's a different model. So um, YouTube has YouTube Shorts now, which is a direct competitor with TikTok, which is short form content, same concept. Instagram Reels, you know, Instagram started off as a place where you could just post pictures. Now it's, you know, Reels is basically TikTok where you can just swipe all day and it's short form. I'm um, dating myself, but I remember when Instagram came out and I was like, what is the point of this? Why would yeah. you want to do it? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Like a couple, a couple filters, you know, you could like, yeah, post it, was so of your, bad. it was so bad. And those are, it was, it really was. I do remember that. I remember, I remember like having a face. I remember making a Facebook account in like seventh grade and, and getting in trouble for it. The social media changed so quick, so fast. Um, we don't even talk about it anymore. Right? Nah, they're they're whereas on there. Yeah, well, to me, they're irrelevant. But again, they Facebook has a huge demographic still on there. Like you know, just they've come around to you know all the. I mean, every platform has basically come around to this. That like there was this big era of paid ads and Facebook like double down, Google all these places double down on that. But the attention is back on like content and it's just good content. And so even you know marketing companies are realizing, hey, like I don't necessarily need to be paying for ads. Like I could get a lot of reach just by creating content and investing my money there. And so, you know, face there, they are, you know, Facebook is investing in their Facebook reels. I, I've, I don't know too much about it, so I don't want to talk on it, but um, yeah, so that, that's like the alpha base. And then in terms of strategy, like you can create, let's say like we're doing a, we're doing a, a podcast right now, you could post this to YouTube and then we have, you know, third, there's 30 second bits in here of, you know, us talking about some really cool thing. If you format it correctly, you can go now post that to TikTok, Instagram, YouTube shorts so you just and you don't have to really you just edit one video and post it and it does well and it could do well on all the platforms so you kind of have to be invested on all of the platforms 
And you don't have to. Practically, but. practically I know from the clients that I, I work with, um, they're really limited in resources, right? A lot of them are just, they're dealing with like crisis and most of their time and efforts is just going to the day to day. So how should they pick? Because I, I don't think I would recommend to anybody like be everywhere. You can't, it's too overwhelming. How should they pick? Where to well, focus? I would say, I would say that if you're strapped for cash, you know, focus on short form content and then you can get it on three, four, five platforms in one shot. So don't invest in a whole podcast setup in a studio and paying an editor to edit, you know, an hour long thing. But if you focus on short form, that's probably the best place to go. Does it have to be professionally done or can it be like on an iPhone? I mean, you could do it on an iPhone. You could pay a million dollars and have the best gear and equipment and the video looks so clear that you could see the follicles on the person's face. If it's not good content, it's not going to do well. So if, you know, it could be a selfie video and it's a hot take on something relevant to your market and, you know, people pick it up and there's a good hook and people watch it, that could do well. It really, it's really just about creating good content. Something else that just occurred to me, and this is a topic that I've spoken about in like previous podcast episode, which is like there's this obsession in the Orthodox community about privacy. And I think that is really, really, really limits organizations in their outreach and their growth and their marketing because they're just oh, yeah. everything so big and you know, blurring faces. And I think that Gen Z actually, from what I've seen, is really not as obsessed with it. And because it's that authenticity and I'm going to put my real stuff and I'm going to talk about mental health and I'm going to talk about things that, you know, the previous generation were, it was very taboo. So yeah. I'm just thinking out loud, that's a huge opportunity for organizations to get on the bandwagon. Yeah. Let's be real. I'll tell you a personal story. So I started off creating content on YouTube, I, uh, on TikTok. Uh, I read an article that American 49% of American Gen Z can't name a single concentration camp, a Holocaust concentration camp, which is crazy. So that means that half of America basically doesn't know anything about the Holocaust. Half of American Gen Z doesn't know anything about the Holocaust. And um, I was surprised that there was a couple of content creators on TikTok, you know, creating content, but it was just wasn't, it wasn't like I, I studied it. There was, you know, I could literally name like 10 or 15 creators who were doing millions of views. I mean, they were, they were really effective at, at educating social media about it, um, about the Holocaust. And then I basically just made a, you know, my lead, I wanted to, say, okay, maybe I could sell these, these nonprofits on, on a strategy. And so I, made a list of all, you know, filled up my pipeline with a bunch of Holocaust, you know, organizations, Holocaust uh, education organizations. And I'm talking about ones that have hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars. And I spoke to all of them and, or most of them, uh, all all of them being the ones on my list. And the feedback I got from all of them was, we don't feel like it's appropriate to have content about the Holocaust. And then the next thing is, you know, whatever, some rapper. And, and wow. that, that was some of the responses. Some of the responses was we have to be extremely careful about being accurate about the facts. And so some of them are or, or, or the format can't be too loose. It can't feel like they're just extremely conservative in how they went about creating wow. content. And I was shocked. I was really shocked. Like, but the kids are on these platforms, like teach them and use the formats that they enjoy watching. Like, you know what? That proof, like what you said, they're not there. They're not trying it. They're not. Living they there. are literally they, not there. So I started doing it on my own just to like, whatever. So I literally, I made this, it's a popular, it's a popular format where people like cook food and tell a story. So I literally had like, I took recipes of different Holocaust survivors, like their favorite recipe. You can just go online and Google. There are a couple like um, bu- uh, books about um, recipes that like came over from, from Europe, you know, their family recipes. And I would cook the recipe that they brought to America and talked about their survivors, survival story. And those videos did well. I mean, I, I happened to have only done four videos and like the project stopped because I, you know, work picked up. 
in other areas. But I mean, each video, like 20, I got a view, you know, I did a one about like cheese blintzes. It got 20,000 views. 20, now 20,000 people saw a story about the Holocaust and learned about the Holocaust. And like these organizations could, could make a hundred of those a year. And it's such a shame that they don't see the potential of, of these platforms. Yeah, that is a shame. I see how it can be challenging. You really have to fully trust somebody like 40 years younger than you with something you don't understand. But that's the only way, because if you want to be able to resonate with that audience, you have to meet them where they are. And I'm, I am, I'm sad, but I'm probably not surprised because I think that a lot of nonprofits are just really afraid because they're so beholden to the people that fund them. And, you know, one misstep. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, pulls a donation and they're in big troubles. Yes. Yeah, so I saw pretty cool, like recently, um, I don't know who was behind it, but they got a Jewish TikToker, you know, not an irreligious girl from Los You're Angeles. talking about Montana Tucker, right? Montana Tucker. Yeah, that's yeah. who it is. Yeah, so like, I think that's so, a huge lesson for businesses, oh, for nonprofits, that the world is changing so dramatically that something oh like God. that had such a tremendous response. That's a huge, like, yeah. For, for, for those that are listening and don't know, Montana Tucker's a, she's, you know, she's famous on TikTok and Instagram for, you know, like it has nothing to do with education, uh, dancing and whatever. So she documented an entire trip to Poland, to the different concentration camps. And I think what happened there and, you know, is that someone privately funded it and organized it. There was no organization there. And that's sad. I think that's sad that the organizations aren't the, the at the forefront of it. But, you know, either hopefully they'll they, learn or they won't. Yeah, yeah. hopefully they will. I, I really would. I mean, and I've had conversations, you know, I've I've contracted out work for different marketing people in our industry. I've talked to a couple of different organizations and like they all want to do it, but there's so much bureaucracy and like, yeah, it's frustrating. I think what's really interesting about this new style of like docu-series, mini-series is that the narrator is in the story. That's like a newish thing. I think it started maybe with Nas Daily or he was like the one that really got popular about it. Uh, he puts himself into the story and you're seeing it through his eyes. So the old style documentary, the narrator was behind the camera and it was all about the person being interviewed and it's a really, really authentic, powerful way people watch and connect to it. Anyone 100%. who's creating content should take note of it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, the, the YouTube, the YouTube, I guess let's call it like the YouTube style content is here to stay. Um, it's competing with Hollywood, I'm saying. You just look at the biggest creators on on YouTube now. Not only are they getting hundreds of millions of views on their content, they're making millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. They are starting their own companies. They're putting their faces on products. Like, you know, so that, that world is definitely here to stay. Just going to be a matter of time. And that doesn't mean that the old stuff is 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 going to be out. It just means that there's, you know, another thing to, to focus on. Yeah, for sure. So was there anything that surprised you? I always like to ask this question about the response to some of the content that you put out. I mean, you know, for the, we do get a lot of like, anti-Semitic comments. I wasn't surprised. I kind of just, whatever, you know, we've been dealing with it for entirety, you know, enti- you know 4,000 years or however long we've been around. So I kind of, you know, I wasn't surprised. I knew it was going to happen. Maybe that was a little bit frustrating. I think I was surprised by how well it's being received by, you know, I, I was making it, I was just making it for myself. Like, what would I like? What would I enjoy? And I've seen how I get stopped in the supermarket by a, you know, mother like, oh, my God, I watch your stuff with my kids and we love it. And, I, you know, I didn't think that it was going to I didn't think it was going to hit every single market. But, and you know, I was just at show and a bunch of 15 year old kids are like, yo, are you that guy from TikTok? So it's it's cool. It's like it's I'm just I, I'm happy it's hitting all the markets and the platform figured out how to get in front of the right people. So it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you touched on this earlier on in the conversation. 
as like, you know, what you think you would want to do. So what's the future of truth seekers and what you're working? What do you see, let's say, over the next five years? Yeah, so I don't exactly know how Hashem will organize it all. But in five years, I want to create a world leading media company that is up there with all the other media companies producing content at scale about every channel of Torah and Judaism and doing it through education and and entertainment with thousands of content creators and creating, I mean, creating brand deals with companies. So that's how, you know, giving, giving content creators the ability and the infrastructure and support to create their own businesses on the platform or through the, through the business, touching on every single topic A to Z from music and religion and education and edutainment, which is like a cross between the two. And just basically just fixing our PR, but more than just fixing our PR, like that's, I would say like a more of a defense, like a defensive thing. Like it's a reaction to, you know, our lack of voice in the world. When I say our, like the, the, the religious community, the religious Jewish community, I would say that as like a reactive thing. But the proactive thing is like, we have so much, I mean, we have the Torah, like the Torah is, the, is MS, like the Torah is the truth. It's from Hashem. It's like how Hashem created the world. It's he, it has all the secrets. And I want to, number one, show people inside a religion how amazing it is and how all the answers are there. And then also like show the world because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to be a light onto the nations. And we have this tool called the internet and we have some of the brightest minds and I've seen a couple other businesses do it now. I mean, organizations do it, you know, but we have to do it. Like we have to like a thousand exit. Um, I think we could, we do, we have, we have the, we have the resources. We do it yeah. in every other, we do it. We do it in a lot of other industries. I wouldn't say every industry, but I mean, <laughs> as the, the world wants to say, you know, Jews run Hollywood, you know, you could say that in the, in the negative way, you could say in the positive way. It's like, yeah, we have, we have a lot of creative people in our community and, and, and they were able to build Hollywood and, and help build Hollywood. So why can't we do that with the Torah? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I look forward to where you go with this. I think it's going to be super cool to watch. So if anybody listening wants to reach out to you to talk more about Gen Z or find out about Truth Seekers, where can they go? Uh, just you go to my LinkedIn and just send me a, a request and just like a little note, like, and I'll accept you. We can start chatting. I haven't really built out my personal brand on social media yet. So uh, I think, yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best place to go. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a really awesome conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Change the World podcast. If you have any feedback or an idea for my next episode, or if you're a nonprofit leader interested in learning more about how 14 Minds can help your nonprofit, I'd love to hear from you. Just send an email to tsevia at 14minds.com. For more nonprofit content, follow me on LinkedIn or visit 14minds.com. 